This episode of Excuse the Intermission is presented in partnership with the Grand Cinema. The Grand Cinema is the South Sound's nonprofit home for independent, international, and local film. The theater strives to enrich the lives and enhance the cultural vitality of the greater Tacoma community through the art of film. The Grand Cinema is dedicated to providing their signature art house movie going experience in a safe and healthy fashion. There is something for everyone at the Grand Cinema. Along with their wonderful weekly programming, they are also home to the Weird Elephant Late Night Film Series, the Silver Screen Society, Free Family Flicks, and Tacoma's Outdoor Movie Series. You can also inquire about theater rentals at the Grand Cinema by contacting their box office or website. The staff and volunteers cannot wait to make your experience at the movies a memorable one, so grab your friends, grab your tickets, and don't forget to stop at the concession stand for the Grand Signature Popcorn. The Grand Cinema is located at 606 Fawcett Avenue in Tacoma, Washington, and open seven days a week. You can find them online at www.grandcinema.com and on Instagram and Facebook at The Grand Cinema. I'm Max Fosford. And I am Grant Colombini. And this is Excuse the Intermission, a discussion show surrounding life and how it uh, finds a way. (laughs) (laughs) Ahead on today's episode, the three of us will be recapping our thoughts on Jurassic World Dominion and then ranking all six installments of the Jurassic franchise, a multi-billion dollar series that dates back nearly three decades and one that comes with its fair share of nostalgia and head shaking that conversation up next but first a quick break hello 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 my name is juan carlos and i am the host of the revisionary podcast and i'm producer phil i make them sound good if you've never heard of the revisionary podcast the way it works is we bring on guests usually comedians who tell a non-fiction story about their lives in which they wish things had gone a little bit differently and we give them the opportunity to retell that story in which they can change any facts or details they want then we'll discuss the impact of those changes on their story we're happy to announce we're now on the chatter network and make sure you check out the revisionary podcast wherever you listen to podcasts before we start splicing genomes i quickly want to remind you that if you feel what we do here on excuse the intermission holds value we are live on patreon you can support the show by becoming either an associate producer at the cost of just three dollars a month or an executive producer at the cost of eight dollars a month and in return we'll be treated to all kinds of bonus content including a monthly newsletter video chats with us early releases on new podcasts, and a monthly bonus episode, the most recent of which is a full review of the smash hit Everything Everywhere All at Once. We really enjoy creating the extra content, so please consider subscribing. And one more Patreon note, we're two days away from our Patreon party, so if you become a new subscriber before June 25th, you will also receive an invite to that event at Seven Seas, something we are very much looking forward to, so just something to keep in mind. All right, my podcasting brothers, are we ready to trade in our mics and our remotes for a bit and exchange them for a bone brush and become paleontologists? <laughs> I will say I always wanted to be a paleontologist growing up, even into like my early 20s. I thought maybe there was a chance, but then I realized I would rather just watch movies about him. There's something so satisfying in the first Jurassic Park in that scene when he's out at the dig of just but that brush going over the bone and just discovering it out there. I mean, man, that's got to be one of the most fun jobs. Kinda, so cool. Kind of one of these deals where you felt like any desert you went to just like was going to yeah. have that. I thought my backyard was going to have some dinosaur <laughs> bones in it. Right, right. 
Uh, so here we stand, 29 years removed from our first trip to Isla Nublar with a new Jurassic film in the making and having its imprint on the domestic and international box office with a total worldwide gross of $389 million in its opening weekend. We are recording this episode two weeks in advance of this podcast release, so by the time you are listening to this, I think it's fair to assume that gross totals will be over half a billion worldwide and north of $250 million domestically, proving that despite what critics may be writing about Jurassic World Dominion, the current state of nostalgia-driven franchise blockbuster IP under a tentpole as sturdy as Jurassic Park is what audiences want to consume right now. This, of course, coming off the heels of Top Gun Maverick, a film that we know welcomed back a similar audience demographic that may not have been visiting the multiplexes during the post-COVID reopening of movie theaters. So before we get into the Jurassic franchise as a whole, let's talk about this most recent installment, what we felt worked, and what we felt was amiss. I do want to start with the cast. This was a legacy sequel in the truest form, bringing back Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Jeff Goldblum to share the screen with Chris Pratt, Bryce Dallas Howard, and then, of course, you have B.D. Wong, who's been coming in and out for the entire ride. So how did this assembly of actors work for you guys? Oh, man. Um, well, I think it just kind of stems to my feelings on the movie as a whole of I don't understand how you can have this cast and not have a good movie. So I, I think it was like a no-brainer that obviously you got Jeff Goldblum coming in Fallen Kingdom. If this is, and what I assume to be the last Jurassic Park film we ever get, no-brainer that you get Laura Dern and Sam Neill and make sure B.D. BD Wong's coming back. And you know, and then getting you know our, our current new people and introducing new characters here and there. And even bringing the guy, the, uh, the French-American from the first one, then the Raptor thing. So it was kind of cool, like the amalgam. And I, I think, it, I think, it, unfortunately, it was just a little too much. I think they tried to give everyone equal, and in something like this, it needed to be kind of like one of the few things that worked with the Star Wars sequel trilogy. It was, you know, Lando coming in, coming out, and then coming up again, or Laura Dern's character, who's a new one. She's here, but she's not like a main actor. I think this movie they tried to make everyone the main character and it was just too convoluted for me so it was just like the the cast was great to see but i feel like i didn't really get to see them i totally forgot laura dern was in star wars yeah admiral admiral holdo wow um yeah no uh i i don't think anyone was very good in this movie at all from you know owen grady over you know chris pratt's character over these three movies he is stiff as a board uh yeah, does he make a joke? Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've never heard him make a joke in any of these movies, which is too bad because Chris Pratt is a very, you know, say what you will about him, but he's a very charismatic guy, and like that's kind of like what he like. He is able to do action and be funny, as we've seen in like the Marvel movies. Um, Jeff Goldblum is literally a, a caricature of of Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Like he is just going around, you know, with his Peter Pat, Peter Pat, yeah, yeah. Um, Laura Dern, I, I thought was fine, but she she doesn't get enough to do really. Uh, they kind of just have her do the same thing she did in Jura- in Jurassic Park, which is like go down and reset the power. 
Uh, Bryce Dallas Howard, it you know doesn't really captivate me anytime she's on screen. I think she's much better behind the camera as a director. And then Sam Neill, uh, who again, Doctor Alan Grant, at least in Jurassic Park and Jurassic Park Three, one of my like favorite and like underrated actors. I feel like that we had there from you know the eighties to the early two thousands. He. <laughs> He totally gives up on on any sort of American accent. It's so funny in this movie. He all of a sudden, I mean, he is Irish, and I understand that it's hard to do accents. All the you know, I'm sure an American accent is very hard to do when you're from somewhere else. But I mean, like, he's not even trying. He's not even trying to to hide it. He got that paycheck already. <laughs> uh, and I don't know, BD Wong, you know. Looking, I think looking like the park's taken some years off of yeah, him. Yeah, like he's well, just like overdoing it, I feel like. That that was the one character where I was like, man, you just full shifted this guy from being this man, like borderline maniacal, like no. Dr. Frankenstein. Yeah, Dr. Yeah. I'm going to create whatever dinosaur I want to. What have I done? You know, it's just kind of like. Campbell I made Scott. A, I made a big bug. Yeah. <laughs> Campbell Scott is making oh, some God. odd, odd choices. And I know he's trying to be like this weird like tech guy and that's supposed to be you know a metaphor for the world we live in with these weird billionaires who run run the world but like he's i i he might have you know yeah i don't know i he it was overstuffed then there's all these other side characters with you know those two villains that i thought were going to be like you know the second and right hand people of of campbell scott's character but they are like in it for the first half and then they're gone i, I it just you're talking about uh santos Van, vanessa kirby from and, mission impossible yeah and, and, and yeah Del- right and pretty Del- much Port. and yeah yeah and yeah it's just it's just it this movie i i felt was was an absolute train wreck like just overstuffed convoluted raptors are good now i don't know i it just it was too much so, yes, I don't think that the um, Avengers Assembly of Paleontologists <laughs> yeah. worked here. It's not their fault, though. This no. is this is not the Jurassic World people's fault to think that this wouldn't play. And, you know, when you look at the bottom line, it is playing. Like, it, this movie is not getting good reviews, but it's making a killing. And so it, people are getting what they want out of this at, at, at the end, I think. And and I actually do kind of appreciate how they went about it. You know, this is a two hour and 15 long minute movie and we'll get to how this franchise has handled the length of their pictures um, when we get into our rankings. But it's really not until like the hour 45 minute mark where you have the new gen and the old gen come together. So I did appreciate that, that they didn't just like shove that down our throats right away and just have like, you know, Sam Neill and um, Chris Pratt riffing off each other the whole time and that you didn't have um laura dern and bryce dallas howard just girl bossing around with their matching bangs for like an for for two hours because that just would have been too much you know the thing the scenes that we got with these people already just like you know it it became that musical musical chairs of acting again where it's just kind of like i help you oh i'm gonna save you let me do this let me do that let me you know jeff goldblum i'm gonna do the callback to to waving the flare i'm gonna wave the big giant stick to distract the t-rex and we're just gonna hit all these beats once everyone's together 
at least that didn't happen until the very end. And yeah. and we did kind of get to have separate stories. Now, yes, did we start sprawling around a, a little bit too much? We did. And, and I think that this movie is just – it's looking at what has played well in other franchises. And it just said, you know what the Bourne Ultimatum movie – or the Bourne movies do? You know what the Mission Impossible movies do? You know what the James Bond movies do? They go to all these different exotic locations within the first hour of a movie, and we jump from rooftop to rooftop. So let's just do that with raptors and with motorcycles. And that's what this movie becomes for the first hour until we then return to some sort of Jurassic Park familiarity. And all of a sudden, we're in the tropics again, and we're in the jungle, and dinosaurs are on the loose. And then it becomes a little bit more familiar and you feel like these characters are actually in these actors are actually in a Jurassic park movie. But yeah, for the first like hour and 30 minutes of this movie, it feels like all these people are they're They're either in a Marvel movie. They're either in a James Bond movie. They're in something else where you're just like, this feels really messy, way I, messier than I would say Jurassic world and Jurassic world fallen kingdom even. And, and there's no stakes. I mean, at the end, all nine of our heroes We'll be back after a quick break. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Get out. I was I was I was betting money. I was like one main character is going to get eaten by a dinosaur. Somebody. I was like Jeff Goldblum or Sam Neill had to have been like if I'm coming back, I got to get eaten by a T-Rex. I, I thought it was going to be Goldblum and he was going to sacrifice himself yeah. while he's doing that. Yeah. The, and so the whole yeah. fire flag waving thing. I feel like as I was walking out of the theater, I felt like the producers just had an AI robot watch Marvel movies and Jurassic Park movies over and over and over again, and then had a bot write a script and like just erase the Marvel references. Some and believe just pep- Colin Trevor Trevorrow might be a robot. That's <laughs> he might be a robot. Some believe that. So yeah, it's like I, I yeah for he's then, a clone like little Charlotte. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, and then oh yeah, and then that whole subplot too, like. Uh, yeah. that the subplot that, that went nowhere yeah right <laughs> yeah so well yeah. it did go somewhere well, it just I, went somewhere really weird because all of a sudden it's like we have these locusts, locusts yeah. who are a bubonic plague and then we have this girl who's like born she's jesus she's jesus basically <laughs> yeah I, there were some very weird religious undertones that i felt like this movie flirted with tackling but then they were just like we're not ready for this we, we we're, we're not going like, to go this deep in all honesty which like, is good but don't even like flirt with it then yeah. like but y- you remove it a little bit the idea of genetically altering locusts to only eat certain crops so you can control the the food growth and things like that's actually like not a bad plot line mm, big monsanto energy yeah but then like peppering it into a jurassic park movie so like jaggedly like it felt they're like well we got to do this so let's just cut to these two kids at a barn and you're like what the what is happening right now <laughs> so yeah it it was that locust thing to me was like eh, good idea you know what though it, th- this is it is the producer's fault they they put themselves in a corner 
by taking the dinosaurs in Fallen Kingdom off the island. Okay, so that was the next thing I wanted to talk about because what I thought in the trailers seemed like a really fun premise here was the dinos cohabitating on Earth with humans. Where's where is the drive-in scene? Okay. Right, where is the right, camping scene? Right. Oh, you know where it is? In a now this story, and that's how the movie I, I honestly considered walking out at that point. Like opening with a now this social media Instagram video, and that's where you get the clips of the camping scene of the T-Rexes like bumping up against trailers. And and like to me, I'm like, okay. The, the deadliest catch scene, which, yeah. which yes. fucking killed me. <laughs> I thought that was so great. But like to me, like the confusion, like, so yeah, I thought it was gonna be like coexisting with dinosaurs in the real world but then we focus on this sanctuary that it took me like the entire movie like there's still dinosaurs out in like cities but we're only focusing on the like the noah's ark of dinosaurs essentially like one of each species is here like, or religious undertones yes. yeah yeah <laughs> and, and like that where he's like yeah we have 20 species here i'm like that's it yeah. you got 20 different species like what what's what's going on in the world? Like I want, I was like, I want to see like SWAT teams trying to gun down a T Rex while it's swatting cop cars out of the way or something. So I, I did really like where it started with some of that. Now this business because I thought if we do this for forty five minutes, I'm into it. This is kind of what I was at least promised in the trailer uh because i really did you know i like the owen grady character and so to have him as this like rancher who's riding on his horses as terrible as terrible as that (laughs) cgi looked when he's when he's when he's trying to like rodeo the uh paracetal offices i'm like this looks like shit but it's at least what I, I want here because, you know, we talk about we talk about this with all kinds of different uh, indie movies now. I wish we could have just gotten a Hangout movie yeah. with these dinosaurs. Cohabit- and I get it. We're already talking about how there's like weird stakes in this. There'd probably be no stakes and something like that. But I much rather see dinosaurs just in big cities and doing everyday things and how people are learning to cope with them and then find a way. For their, you know, life finds a way. Crisis finds a way in in movies like this. But for that to all of a sudden just go from like zero to 130 minutes in and we get, you know, the big bad biosyn genetic um, side side plot and, and all these other things happening. It just got so messy so fast. Could have been fun. Give us a dinosaur hangout movie. That's what I'm asking for. I quickly want it's called Jurassic Park 3. Yes, it is. <laughs> I want to go back to that that rodeo scene. The physics alone in this movie, him being thrown from his horse and stopping this dinosaur around a stump of a tree, his arm is not only getting broken, it's probably ripping Ripped off his body. out of his socket. Yeah. There's no way that dinosaur didn't snap that rope at any point during yeah. that. There, there's also a moment. Uh, <laughs> I had to. I had to watch the beginning of the 20 minutes of this twice. And do not, you want to go on your rant right now? Yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little PSA. All right. Uh, and listen, I went to a theater that I haven't been to a long time that has a really bad reputation. I, I had a free ticket, so I had to go there. I went there and when you're an adult, uh, and you take, you bring three kids with you to a theater and I get it. Kids are going to have questions. They're excited to see dinosaurs on the screen. You need to remind them to whisper. All right, let's let's let's. let's they want to talk through and ask questions. That's fine. Let's whisper. Let's not 
let's talk at a library level uh, 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 with your voice, all right? Because when when you're an adult and, and you are talking at full volume back to these kids, that's just raising them to talk at full, full volume. It, it drove me insane. Absolutely insane. I... They, and of course, they were right behind me. Then I went down. I moved into the front section. It was still loud, and like the the adult was the worst one. The kid, uh, the kids, I could have got through. The adult not using a quiet voice and being like, "Hey, we need to be quiet. We're in a movie theater. There's other people. There's other people here." So, anyways, I had to go watch this. Uh, the, the the twenty minute. I had to go to another theater. That's end end of that PSA. Uh, there is a moment in that uh, uh, rodeo where we're rounding up dinosaurs on a horse where, like, <laughs> Grady is, like, he's ridden his horse into, the like, the pack of dinosaurs, and then it cuts back to a wide shot, and, like, they're, like, 40, 40 feet behind. <laughs> and it's just, like, what are we doing in the editing room? Why are we making – just switch those shots. Just switch them. Yeah. Like, how do you miss that? I don't know. I, I, I digress. There's there's a lot in this movie when it comes to the editing and like the setup of shots where it's like they're just writing off of no one's going to notice because dinosaurs. But I don't understand how Bryce Dallas Howard can outrun a velociraptor through the streets and hallways of, of, Malta. These, of Malta and then immediately go to Owen Grady on a dirt bike that just happened to have the keys and ready to start, right? Ready to go. And they're keeping pace with him on the dirt bike. So who's faster? Bryce Dallas <laughs> Howard on foot or Owen Grady on a, on a, like a dirt bike? Like, And they're both going up against these like heat-seeking missile type velociraptors yeah. that yeah. have the lasers. And I think, And this leads into the part where I literally just threw my hands up and was like, what are we doing? And it's that scene in Malta where... The two T Rexes that were fighting in the underneath have now apparently Actually, one's an Allosaur. Oh, sorry, the Allosaur and the Tyrannosaurus. <laughs> they're out now and yeah. they're up street level and they're Let's there. See that. Let's watch that. Yeah, but how did they get out? That's what I'm saying. But then they're right there. Two of the most giant dinosaurs to ever walk the earth. And there is a guy on a scooter who. Is not wearing headphones, is completely oblivious to this, and one of them stomps, and so he's like, huh, what was that? And turns, and then he gets eaten. I'm like, what is what is happening here? So, as dangerous and as violent as some of these dinosaurs are, it's an interesting thing that these movies do, and this is going back to even the first Jurassic Park. The dinosaurs are never really the bad guys. Mm-hmm. It's they're just animals. It, they're animals. It's always there's always some sort of metaphor for big pharma or big, you know, some big corporation. And this one, it is Biosyn. They've kind of taken over for InGen. And, it, and Biosyn it, is the it, other company from the original Jurassic Park, I it, believe. It just hit me. It just hit me. Biosyn. More religious <laughs> as mm-hmm. a sin. Yeah. Oh I get my that. gosh. Well, and Campbell Scott is, uh, he is that character that, uh, what's his name? Meets at the beginning. Dotson. We got Dotson. We got Dotson here. 
That, yeah, that is him, right? I I, I assume it's Lewis, meant to be uh, uh, the other company that's trying to yeah. catch up yeah, on right, all the years right, of right, evolution. Right. I don't know if it's the same character, but I bet it's a relation. I mean, he, maybe his brother is the C, you know is yeah, the right, Campbell right. Scott character. So so my my question then that it, it has to do really with this movie because I feel like this is the first time that it's gone completely off the rails. But if if Spielberg and if everybody else could do these movies over again. Do you think that they would just make, whether it's the Raptors, a T-Rex, an Allosaurus, an Indoraptor, um, all these different variations of the big bad that we've gotten as far as the dinosaurs go, do you think that they would just have those as our main antagonists? Or or, or do you think these movies actually kind of work with having like humans being the bad guys behind all of this? I mean... Be- I think humans do have to be involved because if it is just the dinosaurs, it's still the humans if it is just the dinosaurs, right? Because then it's it probably goes into like more of like a poaching, like hunting animals kind of uh, allegory, right? I, I would think because if it's just the dinosaurs, they're not going to like plan like an uprising and like march on a city or something like that. Right? There, there's the one the survival instinct, yeah. There's the one movie, and we'll get to a Jurassic Park three where they where they do try to do this though, basically where it's just like a chase movie, and and the you know there is no big corporation or but, anybody. But we're on an island, right? Correct. We're, we're, we're secluded. Like again, the, the right. So yes, if they do it over again, yeah. Does it get it? Does it get to six movies? If if we're just we keep going back to a secluded island, how many times can you beat that? How drum? many? How many yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But you can do that. I think you can do that of like, like, and kind of going back to what Alex was saying of what we wanted from what we saw in the trailer of kind of combining that of the, the Jurassic Park three is going to the secluded island, no humans involved, but we are not the apex. We are not top of the food chain and trying to survive when raptors are communicating with each other, yada, yada, yada. To where you do this now, but like walking down the street in your neighborhood, you may get cornered by a dinosaur. So like that aspect, I think, could have worked. But you look at, I mean, it goes to Lost World of InGen trying to, you know, black market these for exotic purposes. Then you go to Jurassic World of let's militarize these, the heat seeking, you know, let's target them. Let's train them. So I think. There's room for both. I I kind of lean towards the. I think we've exhausted the human aspect. Let's just try to exist with these dinosaurs. Know what you do. Know what you do. You, and this would probably hit way close to home uh, after recent years. You have some sort of cla- uh, you know some sort of viral Armageddon for humans. Well, that's what these locusts could have been, and then it's just so weird though because in, instead of these locusts actually affecting the food chain, which is what they talked about was going to happen in this movie. And which I thought could have actually been kind of interesting. If all of a sudden you were just like, listen, all of Europe just like got wiped out over the course of maybe six months because yeah. these locusts attacked everything. Um, and there's no sustainable food. Biosyn is taken over. That even would have been more interesting than just what we get, which is, you know, return to Dino Island to, mm-hmm. to try to take down, this Noah's Ark, which I think you very accurately put it, um, which also, of course, is where these locusts have been, 
genetically engineered yeah, and, and genomes have been spliced. It's just the it's the curse of the legacy sequel of the studios being like, well, this is the easy cash grab. People want to just see the same movie differently. They want they want it to be the same and just a little bit cooler each time. And so having those shots of the deadliest catch scene mm-hmm. or the you know raptors in Malta and dinosaurs like having those in the trailer is enough to be like, ooh, this is something I've never seen before. And then you go and look at it like, oh, but you're gonna be super comfortable because it's everything you've seen before. I just, I just want Blue and her baby in that school bus, and just I want to see her be, hunting wolves and foxes. Like, red. Just give me that. Um, okay, well, I'm happy to talk about Legacy because we can start to put a bow on Dominion itself here. Chances are this is gonna go down as one of the top grossing films of the year, and when people look back on it, does can a bad movie? I guess which we all are chalking this up as. I I it's the worst movie I've seen this year so can, far. Can can yeah I have it I I think I've I think I've clocked in 33 movies so far this year and I have this in like number 25 right now. Yeah. So it is it is not in the upper percentile here. That being said, can a bad movie still be considered a success because I think that's kind of what we're looking at here. Yeah, you know like it's we always try to like reiterate of, you know, not, if I don't necessarily like a movie, that doesn't mean it's not good. You can still appreciate hard work that goes into it. That usually goes towards lower budget, independent, you know, kind of like, you know, the A24 world of films. This is universal on one of the biggest IP franchises of all time. And it's just it's just a bummer that it landed where it did, but like I mean, it, I think this movie answers that question. Like, can it still be successful? Yes. Look at how much money it's bringing in, and it is objectively a, just a bad movie. You can look at it from storytelling point, acting point, or 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 anything and everything. It is just it's just not good. It's not good. Even the CGI, the thing that is supposed to be distracting us from the bad story, faults at times. So the CGI in this series has gotten worse and worse. Yeah, the Jurassic World by far and away looks better than the other two. It's like the most head scratching thing about this entire series. Yeah. So where do you stand, Max? Can a movie that is objectively bad still be considered a success? Because we don't. Grant, like you said, I think that 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 was perfect. Independent cinema can toe the line in a different way as opposed to this. Like. Can something that's going to end up making probably a billion dollars worldwide be considered like bad? Well, before you go in, just one last thing is everyone that was a part of this has already moved on from this film. Like they're like they're like, I did my Jurassic Park, got the bag. I'm moving on to the next thing. I'm not worried about what people think about this. Oh, it's yeah. over. It's done. It's behind me. I, I almost want to believe that like Laura Dern and Sam Neill probably didn't want to come back. Sam Neill didn't come back for Lost World. And he didn't come back for Fallen Kingdom or Jurassic World, so like it, it probably took some convincing. So I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I can it be successful even though it's a bad movie? I mean, if you look at the numbers, absolutely, right? Like if it's making money for the people who made the movie, yes, you can look at it as a success. You could, you know, I'm I'm sure, uh, you know, Bryce Dallas Howard and and uh. Uh, Chris Pratt are going to be like, yeah, this is like one of the most successful movies I was ever in. Um, but I, I don't know. I, 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 I try, can it be successful just on numbers? I, I no, I don't, I don't think it's successful in, in, in its message, in its, in its execution. Um, 
yeah, it's making a lot of money and that's good. And it's good for theaters and we want that. And like the general public seems to be enjoying it a lot more than maybe people who like plug into movies every single day, like, like we do. Um, but I, I, I think it's, I think it's one of the most unsuccessful movies of the year. I can't wait to see what the drop off becomes. You know, mm. at the top, we kind of projected where this will probably be once this episode airs. But $143 million was way higher than I expected yeah. in its opening weekend. Like, that's an insane amount of money to make in just three days. I would not be surprised that's if how strong the IP is. For sure, especially Jurassic. Uh, this is a top 10 franchise of all time. Yeah. I cannot wait to see what word of mouth does to this movie though whereas you know something that we just talked about last week on the show top gun i feel like word of mouth has only kept that movie afloat in the top of the box office week in and week out especially internationally this movie i can't wait to see what happens as, as far as word of mouth and what happens in week two and week three and if we see like a two-thirds drop in and gross it'll be interesting and i know we say this all the time that rotten tomatoes doesn't it doesn't matter it, like it who cares what Rotten Tomatoes says? But when you look at this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, you know, the critic score is is in in the dumpster. 30%. Yeah. But the audience score is what? Right around 70, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think I think Google users have it at like 84. IMDB has it at 6 out of 10 right now. Letterboxd is like 2.3 out of 5. So it, it's all over the board. It just depends on what you want to go to the movies for. So yeah. it's tricky. A little fact check here. It is Lewis Dodson in the first Jurassic Park. The Dodson, yeah. Dodson, same same character, and that character. that makes a lot more sense of why he grabs the barbasol. Was Campbell can. Scott the original? No, it was no. it was some other some other guy. Can't, wait, can't but, give him a call. Can't give him a call. Huh? Can't give yeah. him a shot. Yeah, guess not. All right, so the Jurassic universe as a whole now, a franchise that has obviously been influential beyond measure, not only for its impact financially on the box office, but also for its achievements in visual effects. To take it a step further, one could even say the marketing and educational impact of these films is something that most movie IP aspires to attain. Now, whether the validity of those truths represented on screen are 100% factual is up for debate and does require some of your own research. I'll never forget when I found out that velociraptors weren't six feet tall and nine feet long. That that really hurt. Um, and, and also they're covered in feathers, I guess. Exactly. Um, but I do feel like a lot of things became common knowledge thanks to these movies, especially the first film. Like a T-Rex's vision is based on movements. Mm-hmm. Raptors, no matter their size, do hunt in packs. And if something is heavy, then it's probably expensive. <laughs> Shout out to the night vision goggles. Um, so I did some scrolling through our respective letterboxes, and both of you do have the original film from 1993 well inside your personal top 50s. So I do think it's time to turn the mics over to you guys. Max, we'll start with you. You have this as your 24th favorite movie of all time, the original. So let's talk about what seeing that film meant to you and then what your relationship has been to the franchise as the years have gone on. Well, you know, I mean, I, I think like most kids, I was a big dinosaur dinosaur kid growing up. Um, I remember I, I saw this at a at a friend's house. I must have been five, maybe six. My my mother was livid when I came home, and I was like, I saw Jurassic Park. So pissed off, so pissed off that some other parent let me watch this at such a young age. But it is like one of those movies that. Uh, you know, when we talk about rewatchability, like I can throw this on at any time, anywhere in the movie, you know, I can I can start start from I, it is 
it is such a spectacle and i and i have a lot of nostalgic feelings about it um but but it really on a technical level as i've become older and like studied movies more on a technical level like it is one of the most impressive things ever put to screen and it's so interesting too because like do you guys think Jurassic Park is in like the top 10 of Spielberg's best movies or top 5? I mean maybe top 10, but but the fact that it came from such a iconic and important figure in film too, like it it just has such cachet with it. Yeah, I uh I will never forget watching the first Jurassic Park for the first time. I've mentioned it before that my uncle Rick down in Lake Oswego, Oregon has been a huge influence on my movie watching lifetime. And he had the upstairs movie room laser disc collection. And it was the loudest thing I had ever heard in my life was watching this movie for the first time. And the, the, the hills and valleys like your, your mom was pissed that you watch it somewhere else. My mom was in the room watching, pissed at my uncle that he was a lot like that. I was able to like watch this, the scene of the T-Rex and the flipped over car. I had a blanket over my head, looking through one slit, just one eye, you know, like fingers over like it it was terrifying, but I'll never forget. It was so iconic dinosaur action figures, Jurassic park action figures got made me fall in love with that weird cartoon dino riders lasers on dinosaurs like i was obsessed with dinosaurs we had this blue trunk tub and it was like just our dinosaur toys and the jeeps and all all that stuff i mean we talk we've talked about the 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 world of star wars and the merchandise that came from that spielberg lucasfilm obviously amblin dove in on that and the the merchandise of the original Jurassic Park was insane and it was just awesome how many different dinosaurs and like you could get the uh the the one that, that spits the venom on on nerdy you can get the Tyrannosaurus Rex you can get the Jeep you can get Dr. Ian Malcolm I mean it was just like I had them all it was amazing I was I fell in love with it for, at like 6 years old Well you still see it today too I mean I, I can't go a month probably without driving around and seeing somebody with a Jeep who has the Jurassic Park spare wheel cover on the back. My, like, my four-year-old niece this past Christmas got her a Jurassic Park Jeep and T-Rex and she lost her mind. Like, she was so stoked on it. My I, my nephew just had a three-year-old uh, uh, birthday party. I got him the Spinosaurus from fucking uh, Jurassic Park 3. <laughs> yeah. Like, a huge one. I wanted to take it home myself. <laughs> well, well, I'm telling you, as, as someone who works with young children, mm-hmm. dinosaurs have not tapered off at all doesn't change no it don't change in their popularity i can have a basket full of farm animals i can have a basket full of like jungle animals i can have a basket full of dinosaurs the thing they're gonna go to is the dinosaurs and it's so funny the way that they play with them too because like they know whether they've seen jurassic park movies or i mean i have a bunch of different things written down here it's it's land before time it's the good dinosaur dino trucks Gigantosaurus, dinosaurs, the movie, and yeah. then like the clay, the claymation sort of weird TV show with the puppets. I guess they were. I don't even know, but but yeah, it's oh not, the 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 uh, the, I'm the, the sitcom. baby gotta love yeah, me. yeah. the sitcom. Oh, I love dinosaurs. Yeah, I mean they they are so prevalent, and and I do think at the top of that mountain, like the pinnacle is Jurassic Park, especially that first one. Max, to go back to your thing, I think for all of those reasons that we just touched on, whether it is like 
you know, the, the Jurassic Park raincoat, no matter what it is, the knowledge that we've obtained from the first one, I think that like the pop culture footprint mm. that the first one left does make it one of Spielberg's most successful films, probably within his top 10, yeah. you know, and I think it does a really good job of balancing the two things that Spielberg's really good at, which is like realism. When you think about something like the color purple or saving private Ryan and the fantastical, like E.T. or Close Encounters because you're just like, look at how real I made these, you know, prehistoric creatures that nobody's ever seen in real life. Look, so it is incredible. Even better than some of the CGI we just saw in Dominion. Oh, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we always say practical over CGI. Real question, real quick question about those uh, Jurassic Park toys. Did you guys have the T Rex that had like that little chunk out of his side? Yeah, you could pull it. You out. could pull out, and you'd mm-hmm. see his like rib cage and everything. Uh, no, I had the T Rex. I think it was from Lost World that had the slit in his stomach, so you could feed him action figures and then pull them out. Oh wow! Yeah, that's so cool. You could actually eat your action figures. That's awesome. And, yeah. and I had the raptor where I think you pulled down one of its its arms and it would screech. Yep. Uh, yeah. The, the Dilophosaurus that would it would like it had a it had like a venom that it would pretend to spit out like a retractable thing that you could put in. Um, you know, we haven't even talked about stegosauruses and brontosauruses. And, What's your favorite dinosaur? So that's a good one. And and oh, and I think every kid growing up either loves a Velociraptor or a T Rex. Like I remember I had a fish at one point, a goldfish, and I named it Velociraptor just because I thought that was <laughs> that's awesome. That, that was really kind of like contradictory of, of a goldfish's behavior. Um, but no, the older I've gotten, and I think that this has a little bit to do with the first one, but I love a Gallimimus. <laughs> just really fast, kind of in yeah. between. I, I don't like know. A flock of birds. I, I don't really know if they are, yeah, if they're carnivores or herbivores, but that scene in the first one where they're all running and they have to, it, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a big stand for the Gallimimus. Yeah. I mean, it's, I like had to like rack my brain a little bit and think about it. Cause of course, yeah, immediately Velociraptor and T-Rex because they're like the cool, the cool ones. But honestly, I think some, because of Jurassic Park, some of my favorite scenes are the scenes with the Brontosaurus mm. and just like the majesticness of it, like that when they lose their minds and they, they don't want no trouble. They just want to eat some trees and just kind of hang out when they're high up in the tree. And, they, you know, that Brontosaurus comes up. That's a great moment. Or like getting sneezed on. Huh? Yeah. You know, yeah. God bless you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but honestly, I, I probably have to go with Triceratops. Um, there's the scenes in Jurassic Park. And then I mentioned Dino Riders before. There's just something cool about the Triceratops of being like, I'm slow. Don't bother me. But if you come near me, I'm super strong, man. I'll flip you over real quick. Yeah. I'm, I'm right there with you with the Triceratops. Something about, uh, he able to hold your own because you've got these fucking spikes on your head, but also like you're, you're just a, a big cow. In, in the yeah. same breath, I think an Ankylosaurus is pretty badass yeah. as well, too. You know, dope. the spiked tail with the heavy balls. Like, yeah, that's like Triceratops. Cool. Imagine like Lord of the Rings style army, like riding in on like, kind of Triceratops. <laughs> like, that's a badass shit. No kidding. All right, so let's get to our power rankings now of this franchise. Mm. Uh, we have six movies to go through. So I think it's pretty safe to say that once we arrive at number one, it's going to be the original. But how we get there will be kind of interesting. Uh, so, so yeah, we'll go from six to one here. I think the only place for me to start is with this most recent edition of Jurassic World Dominion. That's what I have at number six, at least. Is that where you guys stand? Bottom of the barrel. Yeah. 
Yeah, worst of the series. Uh, Dominion is, and only and and listen, edging out, and we'll get into Fallen Kingdom, but edging out Fallen Kingdom only because Fallen Kingdom actually has like a cool first thirty minutes. Uh, but, but yeah, no, Dominion is definitely number six. Yeah. We've talked about Dominion, you know, enough here within the first little bit of this episode, but yeah, let's go I'm to not fa- done. You're not no, done. I'm okay. Let- many, uh, one thing. Oh, actually I do have one more thing I didn't bring up. How many times in this movie that it was. Oh, where Max, oh, Max, oh. Max is <laughs> Sorry, telling dinosaurs to Ma- stay Max away is throwing out the, the Raptor, like the, the hand paws. And I thought oh, he was telling me to stop. To any dinosaur. No. He does it to every dinosaur yeah. he encounters. It's it's that, but then it's how many times someone will say something, and then the response is just what? <laughs> it's like hold on to something. What? It's like it happens like six or seven times where I like that's why I'm like a bot wrote this, a computer wrote this movie. This is a studio. It reminded me of the most cringy line in the entire Star Wars universe of Rise of Skywalker of they fly now. <laughs> they fly now and like there's an even an interview of oscar isaac and john boyega being like yeah we know they fly we saw them like two movies ago flying like why is this in the movie and so to me like all those what's i was just like god this is written so bad all right i got that out of my system um okay well for, uh, i'm going to fallen kingdom next at my number five yeah is, is that what Absolutely. you guys have as well yeah. yeah i i do think that this movie it works pretty well in its first hour even though it basically is just a carbon copy of what we get in the first dress world where we're back on Isla Sorna and the volcano is now active but you put an active volcano in any movie I think it makes it more exciting yeah. makes it a little bit more interesting and it, it, it does pack a punch when all of a sudden you realize we're not going to be able to save some of these dinosaurs we're going to have loss of life here and for all the you know political mumbo jumbo that tries to get uh, an, an ethical mumbo jumbo that tries to get woven into these stories when all of a sudden you hear these people who are like, you know, there's all these animal activists, you know, littered throughout these stories, especially in these later movies that say we need to treat them just like any other living creatures. You feel for them. Grant, I know you have a special attachment to the to like the end scene on these lists. Yeah, there. it is like it is hero. Like I remember being in the theater with my girlfriend at the time and we both looked at each other. We're like, what? You didn't have to do us like that, man. Like, oh, God. But it's that scene of the, the Brontosaurus. I guess it's my favorite. Of like the smoke covering it and you just see the silhouette shadow as it just like wails and just it's like and then eventually you can't see it anymore because there's too much ash. It's heavy. It's very heavy. And it like it makes you like realize like treat them like any other animals like, well, yeah, they're fucking alive, man. Like we may have made them, but the beginning of Fallen Kingdom, that part is is good. And then I actually do enjoy that kind of end scene in that in the house of it reminds me of the kitchen scene in the first Jurassic Park of the the raptor mm-hmm. and they're like hiding. Add a little bit more of like the horror element. Mm-hmm. Um but I majority of Fallen Kingdom is really only good for that that volcano scene. And it's only the first 30, 45 minutes of the movie. And Fallen Kingdom would be higher if they just doubled down on the volcano like aspect of it right like have say, that be the whole movie yeah say they go back to to get dinosaurs off the volcano explodes earlier than they thought uh it destroys their ship or whatever they're trying to get onto and now they're they're trying to get to one side of the island uh and they're fighting lava and rock and dinosaurs like and once again this is where well i guess yeah once again but this is where we can really talk about where the length of some of these later movies i think becomes a disservice in the runtime 
because yes, if they felt comfortable just making like a 90 to 100 minute long movie, you could have done that. But for whatever reason, this and almost every other franchise film has to be pushing two hours and 15 minutes now. And that's where you get this weird black market dealing and everything else that happens. I do like some of the horror aspects. Yes. But then we, we enter into this clone business and we, we enter into a lot of other things that just feel like this needs its own full length movie. Mm. You can't splice these two things together before revisiting these movies this past week for this. I kind of thought that these were two different movies that, that the volcano (laughs) explosion feels like two different and the dinosaur auction. I thought that there was like a movie between fallen kingdom and Jurassic world that I was like, is it, you know, like there's jackass 4.5. I was like, is it, (laughs) is there fallen kingdom 4.5 that I'm missing here? (laughs) It's a messy, it's, it's messy. Yeah. Um, okay, so we're all on the same page. Yep. It's six and five. Yep. Boom. Okay, so moving forward now at number four. This is where it gets a little little tricky for me. It's kind of a coin flip between Lost World and Jurassic World. What about for you, Max? I have Lost World at four. So I have Jurassic World at, at four as well, um, and- which, which feels weird because I don't want to just be going chalk and like reverse chronological order. But I do think that Lost World is coming up soon in this. So so let's have the discussion about maybe just Jurassic World versus the Lost World. Yeah, for me it's like Jurassic World like I want to put higher because it's classic. It was a great sequel. Um obviously the, the Lost World. The Lost World, yes. yes. Yeah. Um great sequel where yes, you lose Sam Neill, you lose um Laura Dern, Jeff Goldblum comes back, you introduce Julianne Moore, you introduce Vince Vaughn, uh, and you you kind of just kind of continue off, obviously, site B, you know, like different, and, and you also get cameos of the kids and Dr. Richard Hammond, and so the world progresses, and it feels just like they started filming the next day, like the, it feels very much like Jurassic Park, and it's just classic the I remember some like vi- like marketing stuff they would do before like viral campaigns, but like uh, in ma- like in some like National Geographic magazine they had like uh, Sarah Sarah Gooding like did an article in Nat Geo and it was about her on this site like documenting. So like there was these photos of her f- photoing dinosaurs, and I just remember that being like so immersive and being like, man, we're really getting a Jurassic Park sequel. The thing about Jurassic World, though, in revisiting it was Jurassic Park's great, but it's the soft opening. It's the, hey, we're going to see what this is like. Jurassic World is in its prime. It's been open for a while. You're getting mass audiences getting these spectacles. And so when things go wrong, it just adds, you know, all that chaos. I mean, you get Jimmy Buffett running around with two margaritas in his hands as pterodactyls are, are, are coming down. So that one, I think, just... Did that Jurassic World did a really good job of kind of capitalizing on the 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 old trilogy and kind of really being like, hey, everything you didn't see, we're gonna show you, but in a familiar setting. Like you're back on Ila Nublar, you're back kind of you the you know the aesthetic is kind of the same. So that one is a really fun because of the way it moves. And then, but it is kind of like it is a legacy sequel. It moves forward the same way Jurassic Park does. In a different way, like where in Jurassic Park, it's just, you know, the Ned character trying to get the Barbasol can off. And in this one, it's the Vincent D'Onofrio trying to, you know, weaponize these these dinosaurs. But it it was just a lot of fun. So that's why it's a back and forth. It's basically just like legacy versus fun 
on this one for me. What per- what puts world above the lost world for you, Max? Uh, yeah, Jurassic World. I I do think it, it has a lot uh, in common with uh, the Force Awakens when that came out, yeah. right? Like it it is very kind of chalk and like very much the same as Jurassic Park, but it makes you it makes you feel like you're having a fun time and like you're back in this world. And it's it's good to see dinosaurs again, you know, on screen. Plus, you do get you know some new things with like as much as I uh, harp on uh, Owen Grady, you do get some new things with like you know teaching raptors um, and trying to you know uh, not weaponize them, but like uh, you know being the alpha of the raptors. Um, and then also. You know, it also adds like different stuff, like the kids in the in the in the plastic ball, uh, rolling around dinosaurs. It gives you more like pterodactyl uh, action than you, you you've gotten since you know, which which is which is introduced in in Jurassic Park three, which is really exciting. You get the you get the big sea monster dinosaur that you've never really seen before, um, and and Jurassic World is I think just more fun. Then Lost World. Lost World just loses me every time I watch it. I, I enjoy a lot of it up until we get the T-Rex in San Francisco. San Diego. Or San Diego, you know, as Godzilla running around. It, it, that's where it just loses me every time. And and that's like the last like 30 minutes of it. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think Jurassic World is just more fun than than lost world i uh, as someone who's you know training a, a young dog right now and using a clicker i really do appreciate owen grady cl- clicking Man, clicking for his raptors that was the thing i was boned about dominion i was like he's got to have that clicker on of all time if blue's just living out like yeah. wh- what is it like 50 feet from his front door <laughs> like he's got to have that at, on him at all times um so i i do think that these need to be three and four here um, and for me, I do think that what Jurassic world was able to pull off is pretty impressive, you know, returning as a fourth installment, but as trying to be this like second wave phase two, if you will, of this Jurassic universe, we'll just call it here, putting a new title on it, not being Jurassic park four, but right. just being Jurassic world, no subtitle, pretty good stuff. Introducing Bryce Dallas Howard as kind of a female heroine who we didn't really know like that easily could have been Emily Blunt. I'm I'm happy that Bryce Dallas Howard has a franchise to be a part of. I think she's a pretty good actress. She she's amazing in the first one. Mm-hmm. That's why I was bummed about Dominion too. I was like, we you wasted her. You know, you guys saying that Chris Pratt hasn't made a joke this entire series. I do think that there's a really funny scene in this when they're atop the waterfall and they find out that her two nephews have jumped off and he's telling her like, you go back to the command post or do whatever. I got this. And she just rolls up her sleeves, untucks her shirt ties it off kind of looks like Laura Croft for a minute. And he just like gives her the up and down and says, what does that mean? <laughs> and, and, and she goes, that means I'm ready. And he's just kind of like, all right, let's he, go. He does seem like he's having the most, like he's most relaxed in Jurassic world out of these three. Yeah. Years. And and I do think that, you know, Jurassic world does something that we haven't really gotten in any of the other movies where it does give us 
dinosaurs with a personality. We get to know, especially Blue, but Echo and all the other dinosaurs yeah. that are part of that pack, which is fun. And and then obviously a lot of the success, we'll call it, of these later Jurassic World movies kind of depends upon that relationship that we have with the Raptors. And we'll get to the movie that really establishes the Raptors as like the go-to audience avatar for being like, Hey, I'm into this. Um, this is the dinosaur that I'm now going to pay the most attention to. These are the the animals, we'll call them, that are usually going to come in and save the day at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, we get that, and we'll talk about it here in a minute. But that's that that concept is really doubled down on in Jurassic World, and so I do appreciate it with that. Whereas in Jurassic Park Two, the Lost World, I feel like there is a bit of unoriginality in and coming from Spielberg, it does feel disappointing to be like. You didn't really give us a new apex predator. You just gave us two T-Rexes on the island. And yeah, there's a pretty badass raptor scene, but the stakes weren't raised at all. Um, when I did my letterbox review, I was like, could this have been T2? Could this have been Judgment Day? Sure. There's no reason to think it it couldn't have been just like above and beyond what we got in the first one. Spielberg was returning. You at least had Goldblum returning. Vince Vaughn and Julian Moore are not bad actors and and to support them and surround them with people like peter stormare um and and ted levine other people like that should have worked it pete, it, pete postway yeah it, yeah pete postway it it's it should have worked better than it did and well, i do think that the practical effects like the baby t-rex yeah. the cliff scene there's some really good set pieces in number two but for the most part yeah it, it for what it should have been it really didn't deliver whereas for what Jurassic World should have been. I think it it over delivered. I think I think also something we haven't mentioned is that Jurassic Park and 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 especially Lost World, I think, are really confined to the books that they're based on. Yeah, right. Michael Crichton wrote these books uh, originally, which they were adapted into movies, and Spielberg, you know, hits gold with the first one, and I'm, I think he changes quite a bit from the book, and I and. Grant, I've never read the books, so I don't know. And maybe Lost World is he he like stuck more to the book, and maybe that's why it's not as successful. I know from reading the book, the only like major difference is as anything is that there's just more detail in kind of like the plot, especially with Bios and you know trying to you know get you know the net character engine in engine yeah, yeah excuse me engine trying to get the stuff you know the DNA's out. There's way more into that, but it's mostly like how the Godfather book is compared to the movie. Like it's more just like graphic talking about like bone crunching mm. and like, you know, things like that where this is obviously is like, Hey, I got to make a movie and want families to go see it. Granted, it's going to be scary because it's T-Rexes and stuff, but we don't need to talk about like bone crunching and like ripping arms off and that kind of thing. It so. is funny you hearing you guys a minute ago talk about your relationship with the first one. I had seen the first one by like age five and I was in the theater at seven years old for the <laughs> oh, second one nice. with the whole fam. Um, and so I'll just never forget, you know, some of the things like the gymnastic, the, you know, Jeff Goldblum's daughter doing the gymnastics, fighting the Raptors, all of that I thought was so cool. Like I said, there are parts of that second film that do work pretty yeah. well. But I think as far as just like expectation goes and what and what we as moviegoers wanted, I think that number four Jurassic world delivers more than number two. So, so for me in my rankings, I would probably put the lost world at four and then Jurassic world. I think that's kind of the the consensus. We just roll with that on. Also, I think Grant said this too, like 
Jurassic World, you get to see what it's like to to have an actual park. Amusement park. Hello. Yeah. yeah. yeah that's open. And yeah. and and then it turns into a disaster movie. And who doesn't love a disaster movie? Love right. it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um okay. Well, so then we've already kind of conceded that number one is going to be number one, which now lets us talk about just a great movie, a super fun movie. At, at number two, it's Jurassic Park three. Uh, you know, this is the movie that clocks in at 90 minutes. This is the movie that strips away any sort of environment, environmental metaphor. This is a movie that doesn't give us 20 different characters to try to keep track of. It does introduce two new predators and one apex predator in the spinosaurus. Mm -hmm. But then it also starts to develop that relationship that we have with the raptors where they are communicating. They are like the stalking presence throughout the movie. Yes. We have the crazy pteranodon cage and, and you know, the, the creature design on the pteranodons is so frightening. They are really, really scary and really, really effective as is the spinosaurus. You know, some people say that the effects in this third one aren't that great, I think that the raptor and and the way that they change some of them, they give them not feathers, but kind of spikes on them. Really cool stuff. Um, So, so I've always been a fan of number three. Uh, You know, I I think that it's kind of having a resurgence as like a cult classic here. Um, Really good stuff. Grant, I know you love this movie. Yeah. I remember being 11 years old on a family trip down to Disney and we did one day over at universal. And so 2001, this is like leading up to this movie being released and I, I've I brought it up already. Like Jurassic Park franchise has brilliant marketing. The poster for this, which was a billboard that I saw on like the side of a warehouse at Universal Studio, of like the shadow of a pterodactyl and then the clawed three like coming through the Jurassic Park logo. I don't care who you are, you're hyped to go see that. Whatever, whatever it's about, and the fact that the movie was a change from the first two. It's like, you know, we don't have humans behind it trying to do something with these dinosaurs. It's just people trying to get in and out while dinosaurs have taken over this. Definitely way more scary, I think, than the first two, uh, especially when it came out. And the the pterodactyl, like, scene, like, pterodactyls being kind of like the menace. I mean, yeah, you have the Spinosaurus, but, like, the other, like, really scary one that you have to look out for is a pterodactyl. Like, that was cool. I, I, there was just something about it. And just William H. Macy put him in everything i fucking love the guy it's a really fun late 90s early 2000s cast with him Absolutely. and Leone. Yeah. yeah yeah and then and then great you know you have dr alan grant so you you go off of what you did with two of bringing back one of the originals of kind of being like leading these people and then it's a great little cameo scene with laura dern of her just like setting the table getting a phone call as they're like drowning and just being like put your mother on the phone <laughs> the dinosaur man yeah the dinosaur <laughs> yeah. man and and that's and that's really it too that's what it comes down to is that sam neill is back at the center and and the people that you surround him with, even though we love all of these actors, he's the one, and especially without Laura Dern being there on the island, he's the one who you can focus on, and he's the guy who you can really be like, okay, you're Dr. Alan Grant. If we were going to do you know, another quasi just like paleontologist character, whatever we want to call him, dinosaur expert power ranking, I think he's the one who we would all put at the top. We all care the most about Dr. Alan Grant. Jeff Goldblum's close, but the time that we get to spend with him as – He's a chaos theory guy. He's not a dinosaur guy. He, yeah. The time that we get to spend with him in the second one, I think that, you know, part of the reason why we don't think that that movie's as successful is because him shouldering the load of like our lead guy just doesn't work as much as Sam Neill does for whatever reason. And he's got a great last name. 
Not Twilight Grand. No. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no. The, yeah, Jurassic Park three, and 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 there is something to be said. It is it is the lower budget than the first two, right? And and definitely the next three, and it, but like it, it that gives it so much character and like and just. Uh, uh, just, just a, a special feeling when you're watching it, right? Like, and, and I know you you mentioned that you know some of the practical effects aren't as great as as we remember in the first one, but but that just that just makes it more more special. I feel like, um, and it's a heist movie, like it's a heist movie with dinosaurs with the raptor eggs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's so it's, true. Yeah, it's awesome. It's a heist movie. It's a chase movie. It's a short movie. It's a short movie. Yeah, it's a it's an hour. We love ninety minute movies. Do we put it at number one? No, <laughs> I'm just no, kidding. I'm just no. kidding. I'm just kidding. Um. Well, okay. So now that we have arrived at number one, is there anything else that you guys want to say about the first one? I mean, we've talked about it, it was on our it was on our favorite movies bracket a yeah. long time ago. It made it pretty far in that. Obviously, I think a lot of people have been returning to it over these past two weeks, getting ready for this one over the past month, really. It's a movie that's just going to live forever as being one of the greatest, most influential movies of not only the 20th century, but perhaps of all time. So if you're a weirdo like me, try watching it on black and white. It's fantastic. It's a good record. <laughs> turn, turn, turn your color down. Uh, and yeah, and instead of going to see Dominion, just just turn this on for the hundredth yeah. time. Yeah. No, yeah, the rewatchability is just uh, palpable. I mean, like, I probably am going to go put it on when I go home after this recording just because I didn't rewatch it for this because I, I, that's a movie I, I watch at least like six times a year. Like, yeah. you can just always throw it on. Um, Do you yeah. guys have a favorite scene from the first one? I love I love the kitchen scene, the raptor them hiding, uh, the raptors coming in. Uh, the the first scene of you know the shot of Alan Grant like fumbling to get his glasses off as he's seeing brontosauruses for the first time, and the theme just crescendos right there. Like that's a goosebump moment for sure. Yeah, we haven't talked about John Williams yet. Just an iconic score. Yeah, and it, like not only an iconic score, but one of the most iconic. It's one of those you play it, you know it. You know that's Jurassic Park. It's it's brilliant. And it just bleeds into kind of the I kind of view like Jurassic Park, Indiana Jones as, and Star Wars as like the Lucasfilm Williams Spielberg like trilogy of trilogies. Because, Holy Trinity of yeah, trilogies. Yeah, exactly. And like and obviously there's a lot of give and take uh, even in Dominion, uh, our CIA character that's in the movie for two seconds that gets into setup. His ringtone is the probe droid you know, making waka waka noises and stuff. <laughs> and and then obviously Indiana Jones has Star Wars in it. So there's there's a lot of give and take, but John Williams just being the the music behind it all, I mean it's just it's just insanely captivating. Yeah, my my, my favorite scene is is Clever Girl. Oh, that's, that's, girl. That's, uh, yeah. That's yeah. the opening. It's so good. No, no, no. When he's hunting in in, in the in the uh jungle there. Yeah, that's and the that's no. It comes back at the end. Oh, so he must end. say it twice then, because there is that opening scene. He just turns shooter. Oh, is that's the, the opening. You're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, it's when he just looks over to the brush and the the raptors right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they yeah, set yeah. him up just like how Sam Neill talks about at the beginning, where he goes, "It's not the one that you see. It's the one that's coming from the side." Right. Um, really funny stuff there at the beginning. You know, I think that. It, it's tough to pin down my favorite scene up on this last rewatch. I was really appreciating everything that does happen in the first hour of this film as uh, you know, we're meeting Dr. Alan Grant. It's so funny him just like traumatizing that, that pudgy young kid talking about, you know, he's got the Raptor claw in hand and he's saying that he's going to 
gut out his intestines and everything like that. Just really, really funny stuff there um, to go back and think like, nope, everybody would be like, whoa, hey, sir, sir, sir. <laughs> Pump the brakes, Alan. easy on this poor right. kid. And Laura, Dur- Laura Dern's just, you know, looking fantastic in all that denim and just kind of laughing along, like just really funny stuff. <laughs> but but it's really her. And, and I'll just say too, throughout this entire series, she's she's just been a costume designer's dream. Just, <laughs> the outfits that she's gotten to wear are pretty spectacular in this. But I, I really enjoyed on this last rewatch when they finally hop out of the vehicles. And, and I know that they, you know, Sam Jackson makes a comment about it when they're back in the control room. We're just like, I've told you we need to get automatic locks on these doors. Hello. Yes. Like, <laughs> yes, you do need to have that. But it's when they get out and they go up to the Triceratops that that is ill, um, you know, kind of experiencing some dinosaur vertigo um, from eating the West Indian lilac berries or whatever it is. But my goodness, I never really noticed when when Sam Neill is like leaning up against it and, oh, and yeah. you can tell that it's fully animatronic and it's breathing and he's going up and down. Laura Dern's touching the face and real tears are coming out of her eyes. Now, we know that Laura Dern is a phenomenal actress, but honestly, they feel so earned in that moment because you're like – in 1993, they're on set. They have this giant, fleshy-looking dinosaur. It's so cool, and it's such a subtle scene when you think of like all the extravagance that you get with the the T Rex escaping, escaping, or the Raptors, or anything else. But that scene right there, that that 15 minutes where they jump out of the car, they're dealing with the sick Triceratops. You get a bunch of funny lines. You get Goldblum lines. You know, you get her digging into the Triceratops shit, which is really funny too. The shit that's like as big as, <laughs> as the dinosaur itself kind of doesn't make sense, but still really fun stuff. So, so I really appreciated that this, this last rewatch. And then another thing, I mean, it's, it's so rare and Spielberg has such a knack of finding good kid actors mm-hmm. and Joseph Mazzello and Ariana Richards which is phenomenal. They're so good in this in this movie. You know what Joseph comes back in? Social network. He's, he's Dustin Makowitz. Yeah. yeah <laughs> he's in the Pacific funny. too. Oh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, we another, another Spielberg. That's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, so we love Jurassic Park. So there's our rankings. Six through one. We're going Dominion, Fallen Kingdom, The Lost World, Jurassic World, Jurassic Park Three, and then of course the OG. Jurassic, Jurassic Park. Park. Jurassic Park. All right, well, that will complete our discussion on Dominion, Jurassic Park, and Jurassic World, a very interesting piece of pop culture to grow up with, one that I think ultimately will stand the test of time one way or another, but it is really fun that we've gotten to grow up with all of these movies, basically. Um, So one last note on the original, as we look forward to next week on the podcast, Jurassic Park, while also being groundbreaking sci-fi action blockbuster and everything else, is one of the more thrilling movies that basically takes place over the course of 24 hours. With the days being at their longest this time of year, we will be returning next week with an episode that we've been looking forward to for quite some time now, our top five all-in-one-day movies. We can't wait for that, and we can't wait to see all of you Patreon subscribers at Seven Seas Brewery this Saturday for our 100th episode and 50,000 download Midsummer Party. There's plenty of time to still get your invite. If you're not a producer yet, just click on our Patreon link in this episode's description and subscribe to our page. So until that event... And until next week's episode, follow the, re- follow the three of us on Letterboxd to see what we are watching between episodes. And until next time, we will see you at the movies. Watch your six. Podcasts got a new alpha. Drink movies, watch beer, and spare no expense. 